Thanks for listening to Against the Mat Wrestling Podcast. We upload new episodes every Monday and Friday. Be sure to listen to Uncaged Voice on Twitch or YouTube and listen to the Red Pill Current News Podcast on all major audio platforms every Wednesday and Saturday for current news and special interviews. Here are your hosts, Donny Cage and the Kentucky Guy. and welcome to Against the Mat Wrestling Podcast. I'm one of your co-hosts, the Kentucky Guy. Along with Donnie Cage. Donnie Cage, how are we doing today, my friend? How's it going? Oh, oh, it's going awesome. I'm excited to talk wrestling with you, my friend. Oh, yeah. Always want to talk about the squared circle. Hey, if this is your first time joining us, be sure to hit that follow or subscribe button. We are on all major platforms, including iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Pandora, Amazon Music, and the list goes on. We do drop new episodes here every Monday and Friday. Also, Mr. Cage has a podcast, another podcast that he co-hosts with. Sir, would you like to go ahead and tell him about that? Yes, if you're into uh, gaming and other, other avenues of pop culture, including wrestling and movies, check out the Uncaged Voice podcast on YouTube. I co-host that with... Top Tier Brian, and Jigsaw Jester. Jigsaw Jester. wonder if he got his name from the Saw movies. <laughs> All right. And, uh, never die. Make your choice. <laughs> you want to play a game? <laughs> All right. So, uh, Also, uh, for you uh, news junkies out there, or if you like to listen to uh, uh, interviews with different types of people from all walks of life, I do uh, host the show the Red Pill Current News Podcast. We do drop episodes there every Wednesday and Saturday. Now, we have been dropping a lot of special reports because we just had the midterms, but we try to drop uh, at least two a week. Sometimes it's a lot more. And uh, let's see, this week is the star, or this month, I'm sorry, November, the month of the stars. We're interviewing from all walks of life, entrepreneurs, business owners, and business coaches. So if you get a chance, Check us out. And as I mentioned here, if you want to be a guest on this show, you can always, or if you have a question for Donnie or myself, uh, you can always email us at OL Kentucky spelled out O Kentucky 99 at yahoo.com. Uh, also, we will be announcing on for this podcast, we will have uh, a little bit of merch, Mr. Cage, uh, starting next week. And we'll talk more about that on the next episode. But, uh, yeah, I, I forgot to mention that to you. <laughs> well, I love me some merch. Yeah, we've got a little bit of merch. Uh, against the Matt Wrestling Podcast merch starting to happen. So, And you'll we'll give you all the details on the next episode on that. All right, so let's get into today's show. Uh, we always start off with uh, one of my favorite segments that uh, Mr. Cage actually came up with, and that is my fantasy booking. And uh, I'm going to go ahead and let the creator of the segment start us off. Thank you so much, Kentucky guy. Well, I've got a, an interesting one for this week. And 
most people, of course, and we've talked about them on the segment many times before, familiar with Kurt Henning, a.k.a. Mr. Perfect. Not as many people are familiar with Mr. Perfect's son, Joe Hennig, a.k.a. Curtis Axel, a.k.a. Michael McGillicuddy. So this guy had a really rough road in his WWE career. And truth be told, he had a lot of the tools to be extremely successful because not only does he come from a wrestling family, but I thought he had a pretty good amount of ability. And I thought he was fairly decent on the mic once he got more practice. In the beginning, it was really rough. I remember that final promo he cut on the episode of uh, NXT Season 2 where he was talking about, this will be the moment starting now of the genesis of McGillicuddy. Um, yeah, that name that he debuted with absolutely doomed him from the start. But around, I believe it was 2013, it was shortly after WrestleMania, they decided to re-debut him on TV. And he was one of the first... Paul Heyman guys, if you remember. And they brought him out on an episode of Raw. He wrestled Triple H. And he won, I think, by countout or disqualification. So right off the bat there, they messed up with if They want to treat this guy like a big deal and put him in the ring with one of the biggest stars of the WWE of the last decade. You need to have a definitive victory. And then if I remember right, a couple weeks later, he wrestled John Cena, also beat him by either DQ or pinfall. Time goes on. He ends up winning the Intercontinental title at one point in time. But to me, he was never treated like a serious, serious star. And at the very least, this guy could have been a major player in the upper mid card, much like his father was, Mr. Perfect, when he was in WWE years earlier. And they just... They didn't make enough references to his lineage in wrestling because he was a heel. The whole idea should have been should have been like, I, I am wrestling royalty. I am used to things being given to me and getting what I want all the time. He could have been so much more if WWE could have just booked him to win on a more consistent basis and to hold on to that Intercontinental title and... You know, he was in all sorts of other things afterwards. He was in the social outcasts. He was in, um, no, he wasn't in three-man band. Sorry about that. Uh, but he was in social outcasts. He was with Bo uh, Dallas as the B team. Before that, he was the Miz Taraj. They even did that bit where um, at one point he wasn't eliminated from the 2015 Royal Rumble and they were doing Axel Mania. That could have been brilliant. They could have built up towards a match between him and Rusev at WrestleMania 31, where he could have won the United States Championship and been the first person to pin Rusev. But no, they didn't do any of that. So in my opinion, Curtis Axel, they dropped the ball big time on this wrestler, and he could have been so much. Yeah, um, I agree. I, I actually do agree with that. I, I like Curtis Axel. Uh, he's actually back with the WWE, but he's behind the scenes now. He's in the back. Um, but I'll say something, and, and I know you disagree with it, because I think I brought it up before. But I think he should have did the perfect uh, segment. I think that should have been his. When he first came out there and Paul Heyman introduced him, I think he should have stayed with Paul Heyman. And I think he should have did his dad's character. He should have been Mr. Perfect Jr. Uh, I, don't, I mean, that's not the right name. But anyways, he should have done that character uh, where he throws the football perfectly, uh, sinks the basket. 
I, it, it would have made more sense to me than him coming out there. Uh, he's a third-generation superstar, and especially, like you said, to be underutilized by the WWE like he was. I think if he would have at least started out, and I said the same thing about Ted DiBiase Jr., I think if, you're, if you've got a superstar father that's that famous, when you first start out, that's why I think The Rock's daughter in NXT is making a huge mistake the way she's starting out her career uh, with this uh, faction that she joined. I think it's a huge mistake. Yeah, it's all, you know, shocking right now, but that'll wear off. That stuff wears off. I'm talking about lineage, like something longevity. Uh, so, yeah, you're, I think you hit the nail on the head when it comes to Curtis Axel. I do think, though, that he should have started off uh, as a Mr. Perfect Jr. What do you think about that? Honestly, I wouldn't have been opposed to it because um, when he started out, even before, like I said, even before he was Curtis Axel, he was a part of that second season of NXT when it was basically a competition. And then he was in the Nexus 2.0 or whatever they were considered. Uh, the new Nexus, I think was their name. And he was Michael McGillicuddy. I was like, that has got to be one of the worst wrestling names I've ever heard in my life. So if they would have done that gimmick that you just suggested now, that, that at least would have been a million times better than what they gave him to work with. Right. And and like I just like I said about uh, Ted DiBiase Jr., you don't have to do that gimmick forever. I'm just starting about when you first get noticed and first get recogni- recognized in the uh, in this industry because it's easy to uh, get on television these days and wrestle. It, it really is. Maybe not for the WWE, but there's so many companies now. It, it's or YouTube. It's easy to get your name noticed. The problem is, is a lot of these wrestlers fall by the wayside because uh, they don't have any longevity to them because they don't. The way they start out, they become forgettable. And I don't know the last time, besides on this show, I've heard anybody mention the name Curtis Axel. So, uh, yeah, I think that was a good choice. My fantasy booking uh, this week is a superstar that. A lot of you may not even know, may not even hear of, and he's still wrestling, by the way. He's still wrestling. Uh, but you may not know him, and I'll be honest with you, I actually picked a guy that uh, I can't really pronounce his name, but uh, <laughs> so I'm going to try here. So my fantasy booking this week is when this gen- when this wrestler, superstar, was with the World Wrestling Federation when he was with the WWF. And hit, and my superstar is Carl Joseph Yvonne Olette. And I'm, I'm hoping that's right. He's better known right now and has been for years as PCO. Uh, he's currently on Impact Wrestling TNA as PCO, which is his character is like he's a Frankenstein brought back to life. Uh, it sounds stupid, but I swear uh, this guy has made it work for years now. Uh, so, anyways, in 1993, uh, he joined the Wrestling Federation uh, as the tag team partner of Jaco uh, Reggae as one of one half of the Quebecers. Uh, Olette adopted the name Perry and dressed like a Mountie. This was to go along with uh, his tag team partner's previous gimmick. Uh, as I mentioned, he is. Uh, he is currently signed with Impact Wrestling. He was just uh, removed from the faction Honor No More. Uh, this guy has had a heck of a career. 
And he actually, when he started out with the WWF, uh, he was, uh, they, they actually used him right. It was, it was used pretty good. Uh, they, this tag team went on and they won the uh, tag team championship on three separate occasions. Uh, on 93, September 13th, 93, they defeated the Steiner brothers uh, for the tag titles uh, under uh, Providence of Quebecian Rules. Uh, which provided title changes uh, where it could change hands on disqualifications. Uh, they were defeated by the 1-2-3 Kid and Marty Jannetty on January 10th, 1994, uh, and again by Men on a Mission on March 29th during a tour of England. Uh, each time they regained the titles within days, and then they lost the belts the third and final time to the Head Shrinkers on a May 2nd, and this is all in one year, or two years, 94 uh, the head shrinkers in a Monday night raw actually in Burlington. So anyways, let's move on just a little bit. I want to give you a little history and I'll go where I'm I'll tell you, so you can see where I'm going with this. Uh, after losing to the head shrinkers at a house show, uh, they led to uh, Perry's sneak attack on Jacol. The feud culminated in the former partners wrestling uh, one another in a retirement match on October 21st, 94 in Montreal, main eventing a sold out house show. Uh, so after he retired, uh, his tag team partner, basically he worked in house shows for a very long time, uh, as a singles competitor. So, here, and here's where, here's where they really made a mistake. In March of 1995, he was repackaged as Jean Pierre Lafayette, the supposed descendant of the pirate Jean Lafayette. As a pirate, he, he wore an eye patch over his blind right eye, and basically he had a conflict. Uh, he, they never did really promote him right as a singles competitor, which he's actually a better sing, uh, singles competitor uh, even nowadays than he, was, than he is a uh, tag team competitor. So the rumor is WWF let him go. This was in ninety at the end of ninety five. The rumor, and, and I kind of, I kind of agree. After uh, I did some research, the reason why the WWF let him go is because he was due to be in a match with Kevin Nash, and he was supposed to put Kevin Nash over, and he wouldn't. Basically, and back then the wrestlers had that kind of control. If they didn't want to put somebody over, they could do what these two did, and they had a double disqualification. Problem is, according to rumor, Shawn Michaels and uh, Diesel, Kevin Nash, got butt hurt over this, and they had a lot of pull as the clique. So I guess the clique got together and uh, had a talk with management, and this is why he was released. So here's my issue with this entire thing. This guy goes on, and he becomes... Heavyweight champ two months later uh, in BLP uh, wrestling. And then less than six months later, he's world champion or he's Canadian champion in the G, uh, GNW. He, since then, he's had uh, one, two, three, oh my, seven world titles. He's, a, uh, he's also a Ring of Honor world champion. Uh, he's a Ring of Honor tag team champion former six times six man oh sorry <laughs> ring of honor 
world six man tag team champion. So do you see what if they if they would have used him right? First of all, you sh- I, I always disagreed with that. And there's so many stories about wrestlers back in the day. They were able to if they didn't want to put somebody over, they could come to an agreement and uh, do the uh, whole stupid double uh, count out or double disqualification. I never agreed with that the entire time uh, that I heard about that. This gentleman also went on to WCW and uh, was actually the world championship wrestling uh, uh, heavyweight champion. And he was also the hardcore champion. I do not, I couldn't, I do not know what his name was there. Uh, Anyways, he was the impact world heavyweight champion and impact tag team champion. So therefore there's a lot of uh, lineage there. Uh, now he's he is old. For those of you that just know him currently, yes, 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 he is up there in age and cannot uh, move like he used to. But if you're going to hold that against him, then how can you be a fan? How can you praise a guy like Ric Flair who just had his last match at 70 years old? And he did not move like he did back in the day. So I advise you if you only know PCO from current times and Impact to go do a little bit of research, find some old matches on him. And then you'll see what I'm talking about. He was a high flyer. This is We're talking 93. We're talking back before this stuff was cool, before everybody was doing it. He was a high flyer and a risk taker. And even back then, a part of this French group, uh, he was not afraid to be super duper hardcore. Uh, he did spend some time in ECW. They made a mistake there. Uh, they released him when they were having cutbacks. And then uh, uh, Paul Heyman tried to get him back and, well, you see where ECW is now. So, anyway, sir, uh, your thoughts on this, gentlemen? <clears throat> so, I agree pretty much with everything you said. Now, admittedly, I was still pretty young when, when, and I'm going to need to correct you on your pronunciation of Mr. PCO's name, Pierre Carl Ole, um, from, uh, because he's Canadian. Whatever. Um, I was not the biggest fan of the Jean-Pierre Lafitte gimmick that he did where he was a pirate. It it was kind of a cool look with the eye patch and the bandana and everything. But when I realized who he was, I thought to myself, wasn't this guy just a Mountie a couple of years ago and now he's a pirate? How am I supposed to take this guy seriously? But I'll admit that the small sample size that I've seen over the years of his work I've always been pretty impressed. And the fact that he was able to make this sort of comeback when he's in his mid-50s and can still move around like guys half his age, I, I, I mean, the man's a genetic freak as far as I'm concerned. Not to not to offend any Scott Steyer fans out there, but I mean, this guy's like a, li- a literal genetic freak. So I think it's great that Impact Wrestling is giving him the spotlight I think it's great that he was a Ring of Honor six-man tag champ, briefly held the Ring of Honor world title as well. And I wish WWE would have given him more of an opportunity. Now, the ship has probably sailed on that at this point. I don't think we're going to see him back in WWE. But it's unfortunate because he could have been much better utilized. I remember even Bret Hart was really um, complimentary of him from back in the day when they feuded. He, he said, you know, I always enjoyed working with uh, Pierre Carl Oulet. Um, our matches were great because he's he's a Canadian just like I am and comes from a wrestling background. But he was never able to reach his full potential because of silly gimmicks and backstage politics. So I do agree with you there that he was held back because of backstage politics. 
maybe if things were different behind the scenes, he could have gone farther. Yeah, and plus, you know, his age. Yeah, I think that ship sailed. Also, I, uh, yeah, I, yeah, he's he's close. I mean, most guys his age would have already been retired. So, and I don't know where he's going to now. I know I know his career's got to be getting close to. Uh, uh, he's in the twilight years of his career. Let's put it that way. All right, so uh, let's see here. Let's get into some wrestling news. All right, so let's go over the AEW uh, Dynamite results. And the first thing I want to talk about is let's talk about the match. Uh, Ward, uh, Wardlow defeated uh, uh, Davari on Dynamite. But, oh, Joe, Joe, just like the Kentucky guy predicted on the last episode, turned on his tag team partner, which is what he's known for. No reason to. He still has his belt. So I was wrong in a sense. I thought one of those guys would lose their belts and then Joe would turn on him. But he still has his belt and he turns on the big man. And the big man wasn't doing anything to Joe. He was mouthing off to Big Hobbs. Your thoughts, Mr. K. Joe, Joe, Joe. I used to be such a big fan of you, man. You used to be a man of integrity and, you know, one of the best workers and one of the one of the most um, honest people in the business. And you had a great thing going here. I mean, War Joe. I mean, just the name. I mean, that just roll, that tag team name just rolls off the tongue. It's awesome. And you had to go throw that away by attacking Wardlow. I mean, how do you think the fans are going to react to this? They're, 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 I'm sure they're not happy about it. I mean... Joe, I still respect all your accomplishments in this business, but you let me down this week, sir, when you turned on. If you wanted to challenge Wardlow, you should have just gotten that ring. You didn't have to turn on the guy. You could have just said, I want a shot at your TNT title, and we could have done it the old-fashioned way like that. But no, instead you had to sneak attack him, and sorry, I, I don't agree with th this move, Joe. Yeah, uh, so I'm not a fan of Smojo or Wardlow, uh, and I think Wardjo was the stupidest I've ever heard in my life but I knew this was going to happen because this is the kind of character he is everybody would think that I would be a fan of Smojo's throughout his career but I never did like him never did I, I just I don't know why uh, I remember when he was in NXT uh, or even before then when he was in Impact but when he was in NXT and he was having that feud with uh, Finn Balor and they let it and uh, he actually beat Finn Balor when Finn Balor was the demon uh that was one of those moments when I wanted to throw my remote right through the television set. It was ridiculous. Next match. The Acclaim. Scissor me, Daddy. Stupid, stupid. They teamed up with FTR, and they actually defeated Swerve and Glory and the Gun Club. I didn't, I didn't care much for this match because really don't care for anybody really in it. Uh, I was looking forward to FTR to turn their backs on the Acclaim and probably clothesline the crap out of them at the end, but they didn't. They rose their hands and tried to be the good guys. And, you know, they got three titles now. They keep playing this good guys crap, and they're going to lose them all. So, anyways, your thoughts? Well, the right team won this match, no question about it. And even though I want to still I, – I, I still want FTR to, to play the good guys, essentially, because I think they're doing a good job in that role right now. I wouldn't have been too upset if they would have turned against the acclaim because I, I, this is something we agreed upon. 
and I know we agree to disagree many times, but the, the whole scissor me daddy thing, I'm not a fan of. I think it's really stupid, just as you said. And even though I think the acclaimed as again, as in ring talents are perfectly fine. I just feel like FTR are more deserving of the AEW titles. They've been a team much longer. They've proven themselves in NXT, WWE, and now AEW. Just, you know, just do what's right, Tony Khan, and put the belts on FTR so they can add a good, have a good reign, bring more pe- prestige to your tag team titles again, and then we can g- g- get them some real competition. I'll be honest with you. With the last two tag team champions, uh, Swerving Our Glory and now this Acclaim group, in my opinion, this is just my opinion, their tag team titles at AEW have lost so much prestige, as you just mentioned. Uh, they're they're kind of like a joke now. That's just my opinion. I don't take them serious at all. They used they've had great tag team champions. Uh, you've had FTR was a champion at one time. Uh, of course, the uh, Young Bucks. Oh, by the way, let's go ahead and move into that real quick. Young Bucks were tag team champions, Kenny Omega and Hangman Page. So they had, they used to know what they were doing. I don't know what the heck's going on with them the last six months when it comes to tag team titles or uh, female titles as well. I did notice, and I don't know if you caught this or not, uh, Mr. Cage, but I seen... Uh, several commercials during last week and this week's Dynamite and Rampage showcasing Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks. So do you think that uh, we're going to see them at this next pay-per-view, or uh, what are your thoughts? How soon do you see those guys coming back? Well, if they're going to come back, they need to do it soon because I'm going to get bored by just seeing a million vignettes week after week after week. It's like, Pull the trigger or don't. Bring bring the. I was gonna say pull the V trigger or or don't. Um, either bring the young bucks back, bring Kenny Omega back, or or just keep them off TV or whatever. But make a decision because, I mean, the 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 product's hurting right now without some of their big stars on TV. Um, so the sooner they come back, I think the better. Yeah, couldn't agree more. I think they should show up take the triple uh, tag team titles back, uh, beat the uh, the team that currently has them. Uh, Pac, he's got, uh, he's got enough going on in his singles uh, career right now. He doesn't need those titles. I think M- uh, Kenny Omega should be waiting there for the winner of the uh, MJF and John Moxley match and uh, take his world title back too. The, and I'll go on record and say Kenny Omega, remember MJF has not been champion yet there. Kenny Omega is the best AEW champion that that company's ever seen. Uh, the next match, Ethan Page defeats Eddie Kingston. I don't think there's no disagreement here. Eddie Kingston uh, is horrible. Uh, once again, though, what I hate is I hate these. There's too many tournaments on this show. And this was the first uh, match in the AEW World Title Eliminator Tournament match. My God. Didn't Adam Page just win a Rumble or something and got to face John Mixley? And didn't that two pay-per-views ago, MJF won the uh, chip, and that's why he's having this match at this pay-per-view coming up? Uh, Stop having these stupid tournaments. It's ridiculous. 
Your thoughts? Tournaments used to be a a, ver- a once a year at most thing that you would see back in the day when you used to have the King of the Ring tournament or in every now and then a number one contenders tournament. Or if you had a vacant title, you'd have a tournament to, to crown the champion. But now it's like they give these tournaments out like candy. And they don't have the same impact that they normally would. So I agree with you. Tournaments can be great, but not the way they're being utilized right now, especially in AEW. Any thoughts on that match? Uh, Eddie P- or Ethan Page versus Eddie Kingston? Oh, yeah, the right guy won. <laughs> okay, that's one way of putting it. Uh, Jay Lethal defeated uh, the Trent Beretta. So this, this best friends crap is almost as old as the New Day. And they actually, Trent Beretta is actually, in my opinion, a decent wrestler and really needs to go on his own and break away from that orange head kid and that other guy on there, his best friend, and go on his own. However, he did lose the match to Jay Lethal, who is uh, one of the best out there today. But uh, I thought it was a decent match. I think Trent Beretta could really be something on his own, but this best friends gimmick, man, it was funny at first, but now it's just stupid. Your thoughts? I want to know when we're going to see Trent's mom, Sue, back on TV again, because I love the whole pulling up to the arena in the uh, the minivan and dropping them off like it's the first day of school. Uh, They're definitely over with the crowd. This is a comedy act. I do agree that Trent Beretta is a a good wrestler. Um, But, you know, I mean, as long as they're still over with the crowd, they're going to... They're gonna keep giving them TV time. Um, you re- did you really you are you really saying you want to see his mom back on? I thought that was stupid. You really you you enjoyed that that part of it? Oh, it entertained me. Come on, Kentucky guy, you gotta lighten up and uh, and and uh, you know it's wrestling. It's not a it's not a soap opera. You gotta you gotta have some humor every now and then. That's all these guys do, though. They hug each other and uh, I don't know. Uh, Okay, next match, uh, your girl, Jamie Hayter, uh, defeated uh, Sky Blue. Eh, you know, uh, I, I don't have a whole lot to say about this match. It, it it ended the way I thought it would, and, you know, I don't really know who Sky Blue is. So, your thoughts? That was going to kind of be my question. I know she's been on TV a lot in recent weeks, but I don't know much about this Sky Blue, to be perfectly honest. Um, I feel like she's just like the enhancement talent that all the – the all the ladies kind of squash week after week. I actually feel bad for her because I'm kind of like if she has decent wrestling ability, it hasn't really been on display because she's just getting destroyed each and every week. So, I mean, good for her for for collecting a paycheck. We all need a, a steady income. But, yeah, I just kind of feel bad for all the abuse she's taking in the ring right now. Yeah, so Jamie Hayter, she is on her way to fight for the interim uh women's championship and i have to say i think that she has a chance the only thing i i see i still see dr Britt baker i see her turning on her and costing her the match somehow that's just my opinion however i don't know how that would play out because now she's in this other storyline with Paige, who is 100 percent clear to wrestle now that was announced on uh, dynamite and uh she Paige actually hit her with the uh, her, her old finishing move, uh, which I love seeing that finishing move, but she did it on the wrong person. One of, <laughs> one of my favorites on there. So, but what are your thoughts about this uh, Jamie Hader and this uh, 
for the interim female title coming up. Once again, once again, Thunder Rosa has been off TV for months. Can we please stop calling it the interim women's championship? So tired of it. But I digress. There's a couple of different ways this could go. Jamie Hayter could win the title, fair and square, and she could be a, a dominant champion. Britt Baker could try to interfere to help Jamie Hayter. It could backfire on her, and Tony Storm could end up retaining the title. And that could lead to friction between Jamie Hayter and Dr. Britt Baker. Soraya could get involved and somehow help Tony Storm. Or maybe she tries to help Tony Storm and it backfires on her and Jamie Hayter wins. There's a lot of different scenarios that, that, that how this could play out. Um, but at the end of the day, what do we want to see? We want to see a match between Soraya and Britt Baker. And I don't know, I guess I'm a little confused why that's not happening at full gear because they've been building it up. I feel like, oh, they're going to waste it on an episode of Dynamite. I hate to say waste it, but it's just like, why are you giving this away on free TV? It's Soraya Page's return to wrestling. So I don't know what they're going to do. I just, I'm tired of it being called the interim women's championship. Who did you say hasn't been on, on wrestling for months at the beginning? Thunder Rosa. Well, I thought you said Nyla Rose. I was like, she's not the champion. <laughs> no, 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 no. Thunder Rose. Gotcha. Uh, and by the way, AEW calls it the interim championship. That's why I called it that. Uh, and then the next match, we had Brian Danielson versus Sammy Guevara. Uh, best uh, two out of three. The wrong person won this match. Uh, this is the match of the night out of uh, between it and Raw this week. And I absolutely wanted to pick my television set up and throw it out the window. At the end of this match, they tried to make Daniel Bryant or Brian Anderson, whatever the heck they want to call him, tried to make him out to be like a Superman, and Sammy could not put him down. This man should have been beat, and he was beat. And I just, I don't know why people like this guy. Anyways, I'll turn it over to you. I, I can sum up my opinion of this uh, match in one word. Yes, 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 yes. Don't make me yes. come through this microphone on you, sir. Oh, is that all you want to say on that? Okay. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> Whatever. Oh, my goodness. All right, so Rampage. Let's go over their match card uh, real quick. Uh, basically, what I'll do, sir, is I'll read them off and then uh, go to you, and uh, you can give whatever opinion you are. There are quite a bit of matches listed uh, for this week, finally. So here we go. Nyla Rose. She is to host her self-proclaimed TBC uh, Championship Open Challenge tonight. <laughs> uh, Jungle Boy, Christian Cage, and Luchasaurus are supposed to all face off tonight. Doesn't actually say it's a match, just says they're supposed to face off. Brian Cage uh, is in the second round match for the AEW World Title Eliminator, uh, Eliminator Tournament match. And he's facing Dante Martin. It's a squash match. Orange Cassidy, oh Orange Head, is fighting Big Sh Big Shoddy, Lee Johnson, for the AEW All uh, All Atlantic Championship. Why don't they just come out and say they're going to leave the title on this punk forever? I mean, instead of putting him up against these jobbers, 
every week. Uh, Bandito. Oh, this should be a good match. Bandito uh, will face off with Rush. Ooh, that's an old Ring of Honor world title uh, rematch there. Uh, and they'll be facing off, and in, in they're the third match in the AEW world title eliminator tournament match. So that is all the matches that are listed so far, which I think, if I'm not mistaken, Rampage is back down to an hour tonight. So uh, that does make sense on the match count. Uh, your thoughts, Mr. Cage, on the matches? I, I just worry that a couple of matches that should get more time are, are going to be pretty short, particularly the the Rush-Bandito uh, match. But that'll probably be the highlight of the night based on the athletic abilities those two have. I am predicting a Rush victory in this match, to be perfectly honest. Um, Brian Cage, 100%, is going gonna, is gonna to beat Dante Martin. Dante Martin doesn't have a, a snowball's chance in hell winning that match. Um, the Nyla Rose uh, open challenge should be interesting. I, I, I don't know who's going to answer the challenge. Um, maybe Madison you, Rain? I, I don't know. know. Who's going to answer the challenge is the real champion. Oh, yeah, Jade Cargill. That's right. She didn't lose the title. Uh, so let's see. Uh, oh, the other one was um, Lee, Lee Johnson versus... Orange head. Um, or orange head. Yeah. Orange, orange Cassidy. Uh, yeah. Well, freshly squeezed is going to win this match. Um, and then I feel like, I feel like I'm leaving one match. Out. Oh, hey, you got all. jungle boy and Christian cage and, uh, Luchasaurus facing off, but it's not. yeah. Yeah. This, this feud's still going on. Yeah. Luchasaurus <laughs> is still wrestling. That's, that's what I thought. I mean, you know, I've said it before that I felt like Luchasaurus and Jungle Boy when they were a tag team, they they, they weren't bad, but uh, I felt like they complemented each other in different ways. I'm not really invested in this feud anymore because I feel like it keeps getting dragged out. And I thought the whole point of the feud was Jungle Boy to get revenge on Christian Cage, but I guess Christian Cage is still injured and can't work a match right now. So... Yeah, I'm just. This will be this will be a bathroom break. I hate to say it, but yeah, it, it it'll be a it'll be a boring segment. Uh, let's see, because neither Christian Cage is the only one uh, decent at doing promos, and if that's all this is going to be a promo, then <laughs> once he's done talking, it's time to go to sleep. So, uh, and you are correct. I do think Rush will win against uh, Bandito if they're smart. They'll let. Uh, Rush will be the winner because uh, in the feud these two had, and I don't know if uh, Mr. Cage, if you had a chance to watch any of it, but they had an amazing feud uh, during Ring of Honor over the world title, and uh, their matches went back and forth, and I'm pretty sure uh, the last time these two met, uh, Bandito was when Bandito beat Rush for the Ring of Honor title. So, yeah, so if they want to keep up to that scenario, uh, I think, uh, yeah, they should. he should absolutely win tonight. So let's move on to the... Go ahead. Oh, no, I was just going to say it would be some good continuity. Absolutely. Uh, so let's move on to Raw results in the WWE. Uh, let's see here. So the Bloodline defeated Riddle, who teamed up with the New Day. Uh, I thought that was a... I thought it was a good match, actually. And I, I, I've not seen a really good match with that included the New Day in quite a long time. Uh, I know that they are supposed to fight... Uh, the Usos tonight for the titles. Uh, I don't think they stand a chance at all. Uh, but I do think that this showed uh, Solo's 
man, he's just a beast. He's getting better and better, and I love the way that they're promoting this guy. He may be, he may be the new tribal chief one day. I don't know, but I really, I'm really impressed with him. Uh, your thoughts on that, Matt? To me, considering the history between these two teams and how they both have, you know, created big splashes in the WWE tag team division in the last few years, there should be more of a stipulation to this match. And if they were smart, they would finally say, whoever, whichever team loses this match has to disband as a tag team, which that automatically would mean the Usos would win, but you'd still have that drama of the New Day trying to win back the titles. Oh, could th- could we see a partial dissolution of the bloodline? What's going to happen here? Um, it would just add more drama to the match and more intrigue. Otherwise, it's just the 50th time we've seen a match between the New Day and the Usos, which, yeah, they have a lot of athleticism and everything. Don't misunderstand me, but Unfortunately, at this stage, you've seen one New Day Usos match. You've seen them all. What did you think about that match on Raw? Well, sir, I enjoyed it. Uh, largely largely because of Riddle. Uh, that He added a, an extra wrinkle into the match. And I do agree about Solo. They're booking him to look to look great. Uh, now, do I see him becoming the Tribal Chief in the future? No, well, not necessarily, because after Roman Reigns eventually loses the uh, WWE Undisputed Universal Championship, the bloodline may not be no more, so there may not be a uh, tribal chief title. But regardless, Solo looked very strong in this match. There will always be a tribal chief. There may not always be a bloodline. There will always be a leader in that family. Always has been. Uh, They've never come out and really started saying it until here lately, but uh, The Rock was it forever back when Rakishi was... Uh, the Usos' uh, dad was wrestling. Uh, his father was a leader at one time. Uh, and I know they don't call him the tribal chief, and that's something Roman Reigns did. But uh, I, I just I see this guy uh, becoming more popular than the Usos. I don't know why. I didn't think that when he was in NXT. I, I, I don't think they used him properly in NXT. But, man, since he's come to the main roster, he is really, uh, he's really shooken things up. Uh, the next match, Baron Corbin with his good old buddy, manager, uh, JBL. Uh, he defeats Cedric Allen Alexander, and you would have thought that he defeated Stone Cold Steve Austin or someone. It was pathetic. Uh, Cedric Alexander, uh, he's a jobber. Should have stayed with the Hurt Business. Uh, Baron Corbin, I don't care if he's not called Happy Corbin anymore. He still stinks. Uh, never did, Never was a fan of his. I don't think I ever will be. JBL, I think you've made a horrible mistake and you put your money behind the wrong guy. Your thoughts? And this is where I got to disagree with you, Kentucky guy, because everything JBL has ever touched turns to gold. And even a guy like Baron Corbin, who's gotten on people's nerves, including mine, for the very longest time, fate's got to turn around for him eventually. And pairing him up with JBL, very smart. Get him back on track. Maybe get him back to the days when he had when he was semi-credible when he first debuted on the main roster, which, you know, all all fell apart once he became the constable and then became Happy Corbin and Sad Corbin and whatever else he was. Uh, but but now with JBL giving him guidance, he's, he's going to get back on track. Whatever JBL touches 
turns to gold. <laughs> Come on. He wasn't even that good of a wrestler himself, a singles competitor. Come on, man. Get off the crack. I know it's Friday and you've had a long week of work and you want to relax, but wait before the show's over with before you start smoking that stuff. Uh, then uh, Seth Rollins comes out to the ring and he does an open challenge because he feels like wrestling uh, for his title, United States title. However, the OC, or no, I'm sorry, the Judgment Day show up and crowd the ring. And then here comes AJ Styles and the OC. <laughs> so while they're starting to talk, and you know we know that there's friction between these two groups, uh, Seth Rollins quietly exits and scatters <laughs> to the backstage. Anyways, while they're in the ring, these two groups, AJ, I, AJ talks about Crown Jewel and how it's always three on four, four on three, three on four. But that was when thing. but things are about to get even, he says. And then to everyone's surprise, to my surprise, I didn't think it'd be her. I was actually sitting on the edge of my seat thinking that it was going to be Raquel Rodriguez. <laughs> but uh, it wasn't her. Maya Kim, or Maya Yim, who was originally... Uh, not that long ago on Impact Wrestling, because uh, this this lady has had quite a career with the WWE as well. Uh, she kind of blew it for retribution and all that good stuff. <laughs> but anyway, she came out and she attacked Rhea Ripley with a Kindle stick, and the two teams started fighting. Uh, this time, the OC actually fend off the Judgment Day, who actually re- retreated uh, backstage. There wasn't an actual match here, but I did feel feel that it was worth noting because we have a new reveal. Triple H has brought somebody else back. And finally, the OC has the manpower to at least look credible towards the Judgment Day. I still think the Judgment Day is the group that's going to get over. They need to be uh, They need to be the one pushed over. I think they're going in the right direction. I do think they need another member. That'll come sooner or later, I'm sure. But, uh, yeah, I actually like this move bringing this young lady over to the oc your thoughts she was not to expect uh, i expected uh, I'll, I'll tell you that i was i was hoping really hoping crossing my fingers that if they brought mia yim back that she was going to come back with her reckoning mask from uh, retribution i'm just kidding um but no it, it it is good to see her back on wwe television actually as mia yim as herself and Again, not the person I expected to be paired with the OC, but I'm okay with it. Even though I do agree with you, as I as I meant, as we talked about previous weeks, Raquel Rodriguez would have been a great choice. I don't think Mia Yim and Rhea Ripley really have that much history in NXT, although I could oh, be wrong. Had, but, they've had wars, yeah. Oh, they have. Okay, so there's a little. So there's that there. There's that history. So so it does kind of make sense. And I'm glad that the two sides are now even. And now, and I'll tell you what, this might be, this could potentially be one of our war games match at matches at Survivor Series. We don't know for a fact, but it could be. Yeah, you know, we're going to talk about that after we go over the rest of the results. But this war games at Survivor Series is there's so many different possibilities for for this match. By the way, I forgot to announce at the beginning of the episode. We will be live streaming on November 26th 
Survivor Series for the WWE, Donnie and myself. So you'll be able to join us. Uh, the handle on the YouTube channel is the Kentucky guy, KY guy. So be sure to uh, make sure you check that out, and uh, we'll be streaming on YouTube uh, for the entire ma- for the entire pay per view. The next match. Oh, by the way, uh, Mia Kim, Mia Yim. I don't know why I keep calling her Kim. Uh, her and Rhea Ripley actually had uh, more of a history after, and I didn't know this when. I didn't know this when I was watching Raw. I actually went and looked it up. But they've actually had quite a bit of battles in NXT, more so than Ripley and Rodriguez. So it kind of makes sense. And when you hear uh, the match card tonight for uh, SmackDown, uh, it'll probably make more sense to you why it wasn't Raquel Rodriguez. Uh, At least it did to me after looking that up and then seeing tonight's match card. And we'll go over that here in just a bit. Uh, the next match uh, results, let's see, was, oh, Otis actually defeated uh, Elias. Uh, yeah, let's bring Elias back uh, just to keep losing. Makes zero sense to me. Didn't care who really won the match anyways, in my personal opinion, but uh, I, I just don't, you know, I let this guy go or, or do something with them. I don't know. Your thoughts? Uh, where, where's... I mean, I always liked Elias's uh, segments with the guitar and everything. I thought they were really funny. My favorite Elias segment um, of all time was the one, I think it was the night after, I want to say WrestleMania 35. It was when he was in the, it was when he was in the ring and he was doing a rap making fun of John Cena because John Cena had done the basic thugonomics gimmick at WrestleMania 35 and interrupted Elias. And the last, and the very last line he says is, "The next person to interrupt me is a dead man." And then you hear the gong, and the Undertaker comes out to the ring. Um, so Elias has always been good for a good laugh. Um, I actually don't think he's bad in the ring. Um, I know you have always said you had mixed feelings, but based on his sample size that I've seen, I've always thought he's been pretty good in the ring. But yeah, why do you bring him back just to squash him? Doesn't make much sense. But at the same time, you also don't want to make Alpha Academy look look weak either. So you got to find the the happy medium somewhere. Yeah, but let's be honest. The Alpha Academy really puts everybody over. So, And this is pretty much Elias' what, second match since he's come back? Eh, just, I don't know. Don't understand the thinking behind it. I'm sure there's a method to uh, Triple H's madness, but... I guess we'll have to wait and see. Uh, let's see. We had uh, Austin Theory. He actually defeated Shelton Benjamin, another guy. You know, Shelton Benjamin may be on my list one day of great athletes, fantasy bookings, who are just under and always have been underutilized. But, uh, yeah, Austin Theory's defeated him. Uh, your thoughts about that match? Well, it's about time Austin Theory remembered how to score a pinfall victory over somebody <laughs> he's been losing matches for the most part ever since he won the money in the bank briefcase um you know shelton's another guy um in recent years he was better when he was a member of the hurt business along with cedric alexander still don't understand the logic behind breaking that group up i mean right now you literally could have them as one of the most dominant factions in wwe with mvp as their manager Omos could be their muscle. 
You could have Bobby Lashley, who's the guy that's in the main event. And then you got the tag team with Shelton Benjamin and Cedric Alexander. So with Triple H in charge, you never know. Maybe they could revisit that down the road. But I mean, right now, what are Cedric Alexander and Shelton Benjamin really doing? You know, I actually I actually agree with that. The Hurt Business, especially the mind frame of uh, Bobby Lashley, and we're going to talk more about him a little bit later, uh, the mind frame and the way he's doing things right now, uh, he is, uh, you talk about being in what they call God mode, man, he is just vicious right now. He is destroying everything. And if you put him uh, MVP as his mouthpiece, and then you have Omos on the same team, <laughs> and then you bring back uh, Cedric and uh, uh, Sheldon, Oh, ho, ho. yeah, I agree with that. I'd love to see that. Uh, so then we go after that match, and we see Miz. Miz comes out, and he starts declaring that everything Gargano was saying about him, uh, you know, it wasn't true. Uh, however, Johnny Gargano shows up. Very interesting, this, and I still don't quite understand it all. But he shows up, and he tells Miz that the person, the producer, who he thought was a producer, Gargano actually hired as an private investigator. <laughs> and then we he goes to the big screen. He shows footage. And in this footage, and I really don't understand this, uh, Miz declares that Gargano was telling the truth. He admits to paying uh, Dexter Loomis and uh, confessed that it was all publicity stunt. So then they have a match. The Miz does win the match, and he defeats uh, Johnny Gargano. But now, so remember what Miz just said before this match, uh, the footage, what it said in the footage. He admitted that he was paying Dexter Loomis for a publicity stunt to stalk him, basically. He defeats Johnny Gargano, and he walks out of the ring, and here comes Dexter Loomis from behind and hits him with a chair and then sits in the chair until he's chased off by official. So if this was a publicity stunt, why is this guy still attacking him? I, I just, this storyline does not, this, this storyline just does not make uh, any sense to me so all, whatsoever. Your thoughts, sir? So, I've got a theory about this whole storyline, and I, and I think a lot of listeners will agree with me. Vince, Vince Russo, bro, had to have written this storyline, because you know, bro, it makes total sense for the Miz, bro, to to pay Dexter Loomis to beat him up and stalk him, bro. Because Dexter Loomis is all about the money, bro. To which I would respond, no, bro. Dexter Loomis was never about the money in NXT. It had nothing to do with his character at all. He He was a freak. He would stalk people. He would stare at them awkwardly. He would kidnap them. He would brainwash them, whatever. This makes no sense with the Dexter Loomis character. So congratulations, writer. Whoever came up with this storyline, you've actually destroyed the Dexter Loomis character by making it that he was paid off by The Miz. Now, I have no issue with The Miz's role in the storyline, him paying anyone else off to pretend like they were attacking him and kidnapping him and doing all that stuff, I would have been fine with that. But because it was Dexter Loomis, cannot get on board with this storyline. Right, I agree, but <clears throat> why did they have Dexter Loomis come out at the end and attack him with a steel chair? 
It just, it, it doesn't make any sense to me. Uh, I, I, there's got to be more to this storyline. Go ahead. I, I mean, unless the whole idea was that Dexter Loomis was just suckering the Miz in and making him think like, oh yeah, I'll, I'll play along and you can pay me and this, this that and the other. But, but, but like I said, it, it, this reads just like a classic Vince Russo storyline that completely defies all logic. Why, why, uh, and if this was the true storyline, why wouldn't Dexter Loomis attack Johnny Gargano for spilling the beans? There's so many questions. <laughs> so many questions. Anyways, the next match, uh, surprisingly, was for the uh, 24-7 championship. Uh, Dana Brooke, who's been the champion for quite a while now, uh, actually lost the belt to Nikki Cross. Uh, Nikki Cross, it looks like, uh, it looks like Nikki Cross is going to join uh, Bailey's faction at Survivor Series. It does not look like she's going to actually become a part of Damage Control, which, once again, I think's a mistake. Nikki Cross is always better at that deranged person on a faction, just like she was with Sanity, and I think that she would fit in perfect on Bailey's faction. I never thought about her before because she was this stupid superhero character or what have you. But as Nikki Cross, I think she would, uh, she'd actually probably fit in better than, uh, Raquel Welch, like we, or Raquel Rodriguez, like we used to talk about. So your thought? It would definitely be a better use of her than, like you said, the superhero gimmick, which was, which was a joke. And also when she was paired up with Alexa Bliss as a tag team a while back, which that's why they had her cost Alexa Bliss the women's tag team titles because their history together. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I'm okay with this pairing because it gives Nikki Cross something to do. She is better in a group, no question about it. Um, but talking about damage control, I mean, your, I mean, your girl ba- uh, Bailey uh, right now is just keeps keep, keeps coming up short when she tries to challenge the EST for the Raw Women's Title. Look, pal, she comes up short because, but she still looks strong. And when she takes the title at the next pay-per-view, yeah, we'll, we'll have a chat then. How's that? <laughs> All right. But, uh, yeah, and I still, you're right, though. She does come up short, and I don't know why. <laughs> I just don't understand the, the thinking. The last pay-per-view where it was a uh, last standing match, no disqualification, I still don't understand why that wasn't the, the match where she won the title. And it would have been legal. So uh, ever since that match, I'm kind of like, eh, I don't know. So then uh, Seth Rollins comes back out out to the ring. He talks about how he's been with the WWE uh, for, I think he said, 10 years. The fans go crazy thanking him. And then he puts the open challenge back on. Boy, this is a very interesting segment here. Puts the open challenge back on. Here comes Mustafa Ali on uh, the big screen. He shows up and he he's re- you can tell he's going to be the one to accept the challenge but however crazy Bobby Lashley takes him out. <laughs> he just runs right over this guy, takes him out and uh heads to the ring. So he goes down to the ring and uh he actually attacks Seth Rollins and the match really never officially happens. I mean he destroys Seth Rollins. Okay, so there we go. We don't have an open challenge. However, 
to my surprise, and this was my, this really did shock me. Uh, here comes Austin Theory, who just had a match earlier, walks down after Lashley uh, left, and uh, called for a Money in the Bank contract to be cashed in. Uh, Theory took Rollins down right away and tried for a pin, but Rollins kicked out. Uh, Theory got his uh, finisher, but again, he failed to get a pin on Rollins. And Rollins did try to do a pedigree on him, which he needs to step away from that move. He's He's got the curb stomp. He's got so many moves. He doesn't really need the pedigree anymore. Uh, but however, uh, Austin Theories reverses it for another near fall. And then uh, Rollins actually sends Theories to the outside uh, before getting powerbombed in a super kick. Uh, theories actually hit him with the uh, uh, the A-Town or whatever that's called. Uh, Bobby Lashley came back out while this was going on, and Theory was getting ready to actually win the title and have a successful cash-in, and Bobby Lashley pulled the referee out. So Austin Theory's made the horrible mistake of getting mad and letting his anger take uh, control and yells at Bobby Lashley, who takes him out. <laughs> takes him out completely and puts him in the hurt lock. Uh, Theory was knocked out before the referee could recover and didn't see any of it. And he was nearly counted out. There was almost a 10 count. He got back in the ring. Boom. The architect hits the stomp, picks up the win, retains his title, and Theories cashes in his money in the bank contracts over with, and he failed to make good on it. A lot to unpack there. Uh, I'm going to let you talk about it. I just think that uh, I think that proves what I've been saying since Vince McMahon retired. I do not see Theories getting a major push anymore in the company. Your thoughts? Well, uh, this segment taught me uh, taught me uh, that there are two things in life that you don't do. Number one, you don't pay any of your bills late because you'll be hit with surcharges. Um, <laughs> number two is you don't yell at Bobby Lashley because you will suffer the consequences with a lot of pain, which is what happened with Theory. Give credit to WWE where credit's due. Uh, we have never seen anyone try to cash in their money in the bank opportunity on the United States champion. It's always been either the WWE or the Universal champion or the World Heavyweight champion, whatever world title they had at the time. Um, I don't necessarily think this is the end of Theory's career or anything like that. I just think that he's going to slip down the card a little bit. And I do agree with you because Vince McMahon's not around anymore. Um, Theory's not held in the same regard as he is. I mean, a lot of people might look at Theory and go, he's talented, he's got a bright future, but this whole idea that he was going to cash in and become a world champion, that was a pipe dream for a lot of people. Uh, so I think he's going to need some more time to develop. Not saying send him back down to NXT or anything like that, but I think he's going to have his time right now where he's going to get lost in the shuffle for a bit. And then maybe after a while, we might see him come back into the for into the forefront a little. You know, uh, here, here's the thing. And, and I've defended, uh, Austin theories here a lot lately. However, if I've got to be honest, he really didn't make any splash in NXT. I don't really, I know that he was a part of something with, uh, 
Johnny Gargano and then disappeared for a while and then came back and was on like one show and then showed up on the main roster. But he really, uh, unless I'm wrong and you can correct me, I don't remember him doing anything that great on NXT at all. Do you? I mean, he was always touted as being a, you know, future star, a future world champion, but no, he didn't actually capture any titles in NXT. He was just a part of the way, which was Johnny Gargano's group. Okay. Yeah. I, I thought I was right about that. I just, he didn't, he didn't beat anybody really significant on his own. And, uh, I don't know. He just, yeah, I, I couldn't understand the push that Vince was doing with him. Uh, it kind of reminded me of the push when he first did it to that horrible wrestler, Drew McIntyre, uh, many years ago. I didn't agree with it then. And uh, I didn't agree with it when they did with, with Austin Aries. I wouldn't mind seeing him actually go back to NXT and rebrand himself, uh, kind of like Mandy Rose has done. If uh, And he may actually have a future if he does that. Right now, though, he's going to get, like you said, he's going to get lost. He's going to become a mid-card uh, wrestler, and that's probably where he's going to stay forever unless he goes to a different company or rebrands himself or something happens. Uh, SmackDown match card. Uh, we have the Usos, as we already talked about. They will be putting their titles on the line versus New Day. I think the Usos will win that. Uh, new challenger to the SmackDown Women's Championship. And the champ is Ronda Rousey. Uh, she, there will be a six-pack challenge on SmackDown. And in that challenge, it will be Liv Morgan versus Raquel Rodriguez, who I think will win. And I think that's probably why she didn't join Judgment Day. Uh, Shotzi is also in that tournament. Sonya Deville. Lacey Evans is making a return. Boy, uh, <laughs> I didn't even know she was still with them. And then uh, Exa Lee. I don't know who that is. But anyways, uh, and that is all. Oh, no, I'm sorry. There is another match on the card. Uh, Shinsei Nakamura is taking on Santos Escobar. And Nakamura, for some reason, I don't know why he got involved in this feud, and I don't know why in the world he would ever tag with a team like uh, uh, whatever their name is, uh, the Swerve's old, old posse. <laughs> I can't even think of their I don't. That's how much. That's how little I think about this team. Uh, the woman in the team looks stronger than the two guys, and uh, she doesn't even wrestle. So, uh, Hit Row is their name. That finally came to me. Uh, so yeah, so that's that's a part of that feud. So and I don't know why Shinsei Nakamura is involved. Anyways, uh, your thoughts on uh, SmackDown's card? Shinsuke and Santos, I think, have a pretty solid match. They're both great competitors. I do agree with you that Shinsuke being aligned with Hit Row is bizarre, but they've done a lot of bizarre things with Shinsuke Nakamura since he's been on SmackDown. So it doesn't surprise me. Um, but I think this will be a good match at least, um, you know, get the people up out of their seats. Um, obviously the show is primarily going to be building towards the match between the new day and the Usos, which I'm looking forward to, but I'm not looking forward to because again, seen the match a million times. I don't, I don't think we need to see it again, but problem right now is what other tag teams are there to really challenge the Usos. You can't put them up against the Street Profits again. They already beat the Brawling Brutes at Crown Jewel, so who else is there? 
it's like, well, let's go back to the new day. Well, for the 75th time. Um, and then the women's six pack challenge, my, my top pick would also be Raquel Rodriguez to win that match. Um, if I had to pick a second wrestler, I would maybe say, I would maybe say Lacey Evans, but I think that, or, or no, sorry, not Lacey Evans, uh, Liv Morgan, but that I, even that I think is a long shot. I think Ronda needs a fresh challenger. Yeah. I think, uh, Raquel Rodriguez, and if it's not Raquel, I think it's going to be Shotzi. Uh, Liv Morgan, I think she's, uh, I think she's, uh, I think that train is gone. I really do. For some reason, she has this weird feud now with uh, uh, Sonya Deville, (laughs) which doesn't come out of nowhere and doesn't make any sense. But anyways, that's the uh, feud that she's currently in. So, uh, yeah, uh, I think that uh, you're right about the, the New Day and the Usos match. However, there are some tag teams still that the Usos have not beat. You have the Imperium, and you have another team that they keep advertising with Laura, uh, with the Laura Hogan, uh, and that's the Viking Raiders. And uh, I just don't know why they keep showing vignettes on those guys and not letting them back because I enjoyed watching them wrestle. I enjoyed watching those guys beat up the New Day, especially. The Viking Raiders are a good team. I'm actually glad you brought them up because it completely slipped my mind because they haven't been on TV that much lately. That would be a good matchup, them against the Usos. Um, I think the only thing weird about it is it would technically be a heel versus heel feud because the Viking Raiders were heels the last time I checked. Um, but it'd still, be, it'd still be an interesting match. And, of course, Imperium is also a great tag team. So those two guys versus the Usos, they'd also put on, put on a heck of a show, too. Yeah, and that's not something. I mean, that's something that we we do see quite a bit when it comes to titles, title matches is hill versus hill, or even babyface versus uh, babyface. Uh, when it comes to titles, now you would be right if it was just a regular match. Absolutely, it wouldn't make any sense at all, unless it was like a number one contender or something like that. Uh, but we are seeing that more and more, and I actually like that. I like to see the. I especially like to see two babyfaces beat the crap out of each other and try to get over with the crowd while they're doing it. <laughs> All right, so uh, real quick before we go, uh, I promised that we would talk a little bit about Survivor Series and uh, War Games. And here's the thing. I don't know what the matches are for War Games. However, you made a very good uh, uh, statement when you said it could be Judgment Day and uh, OC involved, and it could. Uh for some reason, I was always thinking Edge was going to be a part of this match, uh, and he still could. He still could because there's actually five, if I'm not mistaken, on each team in a War Games match. And now Bailey faction alluded to Nikki Cross joining them at a type of a War Games match. So we know there's only going to be two War Games matches. There's going to be a females and a males. But we also have the New Blood, and we have Roman Reigns, and we have Solo, or Roman Reigns probably won't be a part of it, but we have Sami Zayn. We have those guys, and none of them have been booked for a match on Survivor Series yet. So I just don't know <laughs> who who's going to be involved in War Games. Uh, do you have any any type of clarification on it? Or no, I, I have not heard anything, and we're just a few short weeks away from it. So it's kind of like, let's go, guys! You need to WWE needs to announce some matches so that we can bu- properly build up to them. There's not one match, one match, because I searched for it before the show, 
uh, listed for Survivor Series. Uh, and it's you're right. It's very odd. Today's, what, the 11th? And that's not, the match is on the 26th, so you're only, what, 15 days away? That's uh, two weeks? Less than, or yeah, right at two weeks. Yeah, not a lot of time to build towards matches. Well, two weeks is uh, two Raws and two SmackDowns. That's all you got to advertise. Uh, so that's all I have. Uh, Donnie, what, what do you have for the crowd today? Well, uh, only other thing that I was going to ask your opinion on, Kentucky Guy, is where do you think they're going to go next with the Bray Wyatt storyline? Uh, yes, and I'm glad you mentioned that because there's one other thing I wanted to mention too. Uh, the Bray Wyatt storyline uh, really, you know, so here's the thing. This is going to be the first SmackDown since the odd interruption of Bray Wyatt at Crown Jewel last weekend, right? And they've got it. They're going to have to, there's been rumors that he's going to be a part of Survivor Series. And that's fine. That's great. Does Uncle Howie care, uh, Uncle, whatever his name is, uh, <laughs> this character, Uncle Howdy, I think is his name. Uh, these characters need to start. Somebody needs to be revealed. Something. Something more. Don't don't put them on here tonight. If you're going to have them back on SmackDown, make something happen. doesn't have to be huge. Something's got to happen. Don't put them back out there at the ring talking about his natural family and this is him without a mask and all that crap again and have them get interrupted. Something's got to happen. Everybody's on their seat. You have built this perfectly from the from the uh, white rabbit down the rabbit hole to his introduction at extreme rules you've done it perfect don't blow it now we've got to see something major tonight in my opinion what do you think i'd like to see something happen give us give us at least more of a hint of what of what's going on because I know this was always one, of, and again, I'm a I'm a big Bray Wyatt fan. Don't misunderstand me. I believe he was really done dirty in his last run with WWE. Um, but you can only, uh, for lack of a better word, wet people's appetite for so long. Eventually, you have to stop just giving us some more d'oeuvres, and you've got to give us the main course. What you like, 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 what are we waiting for? Like, are you, like, are you bringing out a nice? Are you bringing bringing out a nice rotisserie chicken? Are you going to give us a you know, a, a, a filet mignon steak, a, a burger. What are we going to get? Like, we need some answers here. It's like, what are you serving us exactly when it comes to the Bray Wyatt character? I just, I don't want it to just keep getting built up for months. We've had enough build up now. Let's let let let's find out where where this is going. Yeah, and I and I like your scenario about when it comes to food because uh, uh, you're absolutely right. And we don't need the entire entree right now. Aha, to go along. With your analysis, uh, we don't need it all, but we need something kind of big. We need something that makes sense. Uh, yes, you can still continue with the QR codes and all that, but we need some type of reveal or something. We need Bray Wyatt to hit something, <laughs> hit somebody or, or, or something. And I really think that's going to happen tonight. I'll be disappointed if it doesn't. Don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm a, I'm a fiend and a, uh, Bray Wyatt fan, and I will continue to be, uh, but I will be disappointed if something major doesn't happen tonight. Now, the other thing that you uh, that I remembered when you mentioned Bray Wyatt was uh, the MJ. I was going to actually wrote, had wrote down to ask you the MJF interview that he did, uh, and then the response from that punk uh, John Moxley before their match at the pay per view. 
Uh, what are your thoughts on that? You, everybody knows what I think about it already. <laughs> I, I, I mean, John Moxley just tells it, just tells it like it is, and so I mean, he's a straight shooter. I mean, that that's the John Moxley character, and we already know that that's also the way MJF is. He's not afraid to speak his mind, and I think they're doing a great job building this up. I want to see what the what the ultimate payoff is, um, and personally. As much as it pains me to say this, because I because because I, I hate this jerk to some degree, but you know the, the you know I, I you know I like to call Maxwell Jacob Friedman the like maximum jerk and <laughs> whatever the F. How dare for. you? Don't say that. How dare you? <laughs> but it, it it really they've been building it up long enough. It it really is time for MJF to have his crowning moment and become AEW World Champ. Well, I am glad to hear you finally admit that. Praise God, hallelujah. It's overdue. Did you see his interview before uh, before John Moxley came out there? I was very surprised he wasn't in the building. Yeah, I was I was also surprised by that because he gets such a big reaction from the live crowd all the time. Yeah, uh, and he's still got some unfinished business with the firm uh, that's outstanding as well. So there are some, and you know, AEW is the world's worst for that. They leave a lot of stuff. Uh, untidied up and un, you know, untangled and uh, a lot of loose ends. So I guess we'll just have to wait and see how that plays out. And that's what you have when you have a guy who's, who's the owner and who has plenty of money trying to be creative as well. We've seen it. Uh, it used to work in the WWE, and then we've seen it not work for years and years and years. And I'm afraid we're going to see that with AEW as well. Okay, so that is about all the time we do have for today's show, folks. Once again, we want to thank you for joining us. As always, uh, we do appreciate you tuning in and listening to our episodes. Like we've said many times in the past, we wouldn't do it and wouldn't want to do it without you. But you've been listening to Against the Mat Wrestling Podcast with your co-host, the Kentucky Guy and Donnie Cage. And as always, God bless and God bless America. Thank you all.